Welcome to the Cracked In Comedy Club! <laughs> Tonight we feature Stephen Grant, one of the absolute best acts and hosts in uh, the UK. And now Ireland is over for a weekend and it was tops. We talked about all sorts, including what makes a good comedy club, tips and tricks when you're hosting, who is Banksy, who is Wanksy, how do you get forgotten about on Twitter, just like that, and how do algorithms work. Plus, Saudi Arabia have just made it legal to have comedy clubs and Stephen was over at the second one ever just recently. So he talks about that. So let's strap in. <laughs> strap it, strap into the chat, everybody. And before we do, here's Stephen in action that very night on stage. There was a guy in the second row with a fantastic mustache, this German bloke, and he was just engaged to his French partner who was next to him. So Stephen got stuck in. And then straight into the chat after that with Eddie Malarkey, myself, Damo Clark, and the one and only Stephen Grant. Hello, uh, my name's Stephen Grant. I'm from Brighton on the South Coast, and uh, lovely to see you. And fuck me, that tash is impressive, isn't it? I, um, I know it's a running theme, but from the back, you have no idea. It's just a young man head. And from the front, I just feel like I've got a new hero. So I, um, this is incredible. And, and you've recently got engaged. Is it today you got engaged? Oh, wow, look at that. It's impressive. Because apparently, I don't know about this, but um, the, the guys who run the gig were saying that he comes every month with a new girl and they get engaged and then... <laughs> They disappear. I, uh, does the edge and uh, fucks off again. No, anyway, no, congratulations. A lot of comedians, they'll hear about people in love and stuff, and it's obviously our job to be cynical and poke holes and stuff. You know, well done, well done. I'm not going to give you a hard time. A little France, Germany thing going on there. It would make a condom Luxembourg, wouldn't it? But I, um, it's a sandwich in the middle there, fucking ruining it for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, because no, a lot of comedians, a lot of comedians will, will put the boot in on, on love, and I don't want to do that. I'm a huge fan of love. I got to the end of my wedding day, and I thought to myself, this has been the best day of my life. I must do this again. Right. Stephen Grant. Yeah. I, I just, came from, just came from the bathroom, and then uh, there was two guys talking. One of them said, yeah, man, uh, went down on her last night. She tasted like fucking coins, man. She tasted like coins. Is that what he's, the guy said? Yeah. It's like a Michael Rice bit. It is like a Michael Rice bit, yeah. yeah Michael Rice is a bit of that. And then, uh, is that what you keep in change down here? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A purse, is it? And, then, and then this guy looked at me and he goes, what, would you not do it? No. And I was like... Uh, what, what, you having a piss? No, I was washing my hands at this point. And I go, uh, no, man, it gets stuck in my beard. It wouldn't be into that kind of thing. And then he goes, uh, you don't love pussy as much as I do. And I was like, uh, nice one, have a good day. Um, There's not many countries where that would be a chat that we would join in. You know, we've, we've travelled a lot. Other countries where there would just be like... How much do you like going down for yeah. a stranger? Is there a routine I've missed where someone goes, she tasted like coins? Yeah, Michael yeah, Rice. M- Michael Rice has a, a bit about that. All oh, right, it tastes like coins. I mean, he says, someone... you don't like pussy as much as me. What you can say is, no, I just don't like coins as much as you do. Aye. <laughs> because it's, it's, a, it's a cashless society now, mate. Yeah, yeah. It Gash- tasted like a sum-up machine. This, this... Cashless society. <laughs> <laughs> this, was a, this was not Mike Rice in the bathroom just now. This was someone else, coincidentally referencing coins right. um, and, and requesting my opinion on it, who I don't know. That's a very Dublin thing, not really having boundaries necessarily with strangers, which is charming at times and at other times it's a bit in your, you know. I think British people can be much less reserved than the reputation that they have. But the reality of it is, is that in a toilet, especially lining up on a urinal, 
is is pretty much a zero chat environment. So when we're anywhere and people start chatting to you when you're basically holding your cock in front of a stranger, it's considered the done thing to say absolutely nothing. I mean, I'm a really verbose, chatty guy and I've got something to say about most things. But if someone tries to engage me in light-hearted banter while I am holding my cock, <laughs> the chances are my answers are going to be short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fact that Eddie even went into like specifics of like, oh, no, my beard and whatnot, you know, you'd yeah, be yeah. like, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I wasn't even shutting down. I wouldn't say a walk, maybe a bike ride. But then again, I, I cycle quite fast. So that's not a good sign. Uh, it's, all, it's all been within a, a very short journey of Brighton, where I've lived. I have spent summers being brought up overseas and stuff, but but my home has always been there. Yeah, and then uh, we'll get into the comedy in a bit, but you cycle a lot. In fact, you've got a broken collarbone with a scar with the, the tattoo of what happened falling to me. Off. Yeah. What happened to me, yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not many people who put a little pictorial description next to their wounds. But, I mean, I, mean, I don't need... Are we filming? This? Yeah, yeah, so right, check yeah. it out. Right. Here we go. Right. So, uh, so Stephen is undressing. We're going to prove the uh, resolution. This is no doubt for the subscribers, but that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, and for those of you using an audio format, I have a tattoo of me flying off the handlebar of my bicycle. You also oh, tasted like coins that day. I tasted like I tasted of tarmac. That's what I tasted. Oh, yeah. I was face down in the f- on the floor. Yeah, so that's and that's the scar is the road. So there you go. So you went over but there was a divot in the in the road or what was that? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a, a pothole. You know. Um do you know what actually? I think Ireland is possibly the only country in the world that has worse potholes than Britain. That's not true. There are some countries that have completely rutted tracks. I'm sure there's someone listening right now in Angola going, I think you'll find. Right, okay. But the reality is that we have very fast roads that all of a sudden have effectively craters in the middle of them. I mean, that probably happens in Ukraine now as well. But I mean, uh, but but the fact is that, you know, like... You can spot them easier though. I was told once... There's still smoke coming out of those ones. I was told once in in Ireland that you could tell that the roads of the EU would help contribute towards because they were flat. And the ones the EU's hadn't contributed towards were awful. And there'd be signs up saying the EU is, you know, EU grant money has helped, you know, provide yeah. this road. And it was basically a sign to people to put your foot down because you're not going to lose your wheels on a, <laughs> on a hidden hole. And if you don't see that sign, slow down because all of a sudden there's going to be just a massive crater and a ditch for no apparent reason. Say those signs were also just be like, don't leave the EU. Yeah, we needed a bit more of that in in the UK, to be honest. I think we needed some... I think the problem was, I think the EU were told by the UK, don't put up signs saying the EU paid for this because people would deface it and they they will write stuff on it. But they probably should have done that. Maybe they should have put the signs places where people couldn't reach or something like that. So, you know, like halfway up the telecom tower. It's yeah. like a, a, a real sort sign saying, just to let you know, the EU helped contribute to broadband across Wales. That's it. That's all we wanted to say. Yeah. And we'll go now. Get back on with your day. You know, have you heard of Wanksy? Yeah. When there was potholes, the, the council are not doing anything with these potholes. So they would spray paint big dicks, cock and balls around the divots in the road and potholes. Because then that would go, well, we, we have to cover up this obscene drawing. It worked. Yeah. We've got to cover up. The, the fact that like, oh, a crude drawing that you'd see on a stall toilet is worse than like people endangering their lives. <laughs> Let's yeah. do something about it. And they got the nickname Wanksy. It's yeah. a good idea, isn't it? That's, gra- that's grassroots, man. There's that's gonna good. be some yeah, in Ukraine there's gonna be some big cock and ball spray painted all over the place. Mm. Banksy's gone to Ukraine, isn't he? And he's done various paintings on bits of walls, yeah. Good on him. Yeah, he did it in bits of Kiev after the Russians went. I don't think he's quite so guerrilla 
to do it while there's fighting in the neighbourhood street. I think he waited until the Russians pulled out of Kiev and then mm. went in and did his painting. I don't, I don't blame him, though. Actually. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's an artist, not a fighter. Yeah. 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 But, like, you know, everyone's like, who is Banksy? Who is Banksy? You'd know in Ukraine, you'd see him a mile away because he's there's the only person in a in a city where everyone's gone except this one dude with a stencil. Yeah. I wonder if that's him. <laughs> I wonder if that's Banksy with a stencil. You know the way he's, like, he, he just... Brilliant, big, big pieces. Does he, obviously, in his house or where his studio, he must cut out parts of the stencil because you're not going to get, like, a, uh, a five-meter stencil, you know? So what does he, you know, logistically... I think it's I think it's fabric. I think he unrolls it. Oh, I think fabric. he'll cut it into vinyl and then unroll it. I think I saw a bit of a documentary which showed what he did, does without showing him... And that you know he spends ages in his studio getting the stencil right. Then he turns up with the stencil, sprays it, and disappears again. And he's obviously he's many years doing it. He's very good at it. He's he's in and out in fifteen minutes. So you know, good which is man. astonishing when you consider how much money it makes each of the things. Yeah. But I think he's very funny. He's, he's a huge funny. fan of stand up as well, Banksy. He's got mates who are stand ups. There are a few comedians. Yeah, Adam Bloom, Sarah Bonetto, these, these. There's a few people who know who he is as well in the world of comedy. There's even a a, a guy called. Um, Simon, I forgot his surname because he, he he lived in Brighton and he's he's since given up stand-up, who was a mate of his when he was a struggling artist who owned some original Banksy work and he sold a few of them and he's basically retired off it. So, oh, you know. nice. And, uh, but yeah, but he did, um, he did his, um, he did his Dismaland, didn't he? No, Dismal mm. World, instead of mm. Disney World, Dismal World. He did yeah. his kind of like run-down uh, adventure park or whatever like that and... Uh, and 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 they had a, a comedy stage there. Yeah, and he got in touch with Adam Bloom because he was telling me when we, were, when we were gigging together to be like, can you write me some stuff and perform at it because he wanted to stand up in Dismaland. Yeah, Dismaland. Dismaland, yeah. yeah. Is it, does that still exist, Dismaland? No, it was, was a one-off. Like it was like a festival. It was, it was a pop-up, ah. pretend, dystopian fairground mm. yeah. with yeah. a comedy club. Be like, you know... Be like the Crackdown. Be like the Crackdown. <laughs> Remember when Father Ted had that episode where there was Craggy Island had a festival and there was a crane with a bench hanging from it. <laughs> Father Jack was up there and there was like a cat. Spider like, baby. Spider baby. <laughs> in the freak show, they had a spider baby. Yeah. So, well, yeah, so Steve and Brian, this is the first time you're saying on stage last night, you've been, first time in 10 years since you've been to Ireland or gigged in Ireland. Yeah, I've been in Ireland a few times in the intervening period, but not actually gigging. Which seems strange because I tend to just do a gig wherever I go. Mm. I can find a gig from the far recesses yeah. of any corner and turn up. It's quite, yeah. it's weird, isn't it? Because the way comedy works, we all know, is that you phone somebody up, you try and find a gap. If there's a gap in their diary, a gap in your diary, you make it all happen, you prepare for it, you get your logistics right, you turn up, you do the gig, assuming nothing else comes in or you have to cancel it or TV work or something like that. So actually, there's quite a process between the I want to do a gig and actually doing the gig. But there's also... If you're a fairly established comedian, you can turn up at a gig and go, all right, all right. Got space for me to do five minutes. Yeah, all right, on you go. I, I, I know I shouldn't be saying this because loads of people listening go, oh, I'll just do that. And then there'll be the gigs all up and down the country, like 30 people turning up mm. saying, can I go on? But it, yeah. I, you're assuming we've got more than 30 listeners, which is nice of you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, the, way these, the way these podcasts work are that people listen to them retrospectively. You know, I, I have a cycling podcast that I haven't had a chance to do anything with a couple of years since the pandemic. Ooh, what's but, it called? Uh, the Cyclist Pod. It's oh, the biggest that's a, that's leisure day. cycling podcast in Europe. Hey. Uh, but I haven't done anything with it for two years, so it's probably tiny now. Um, and, but um, when people like find a it... Bike, they'll get right back into it. Exactly. And when people find it and they like it, they go back and they retrospectively listen to old episodes, which is really embarrassing. Because when I listen to the first five or six episodes, it's so awful. 
Yeah, it <laughs> takes a while. It takes a while to get the groove. Oh, yeah, it gets a while to get the groove. Because what happens when you start it, you've got a thousand things in your head that you've told yourself that you're going to do, and they become this muddled, shouty mess. And then it's like any other thing on stage. You just get into the motion of it, and it happens. It's yeah. And then you... So you you were... Well, we met the, the comedian, mm. and then you ran there for uh, how many years? 23 wow. years. 23 wow. years, yeah. Because you, so you went in. There was not no comedy there at the time, and you went in there and were like, "Hey, I want to do." A, want Wait, to was it comedy. called a comedia? Well, the comedia's the venue. The night was called the crater, the crater yeah. and the reason why it was called the crater is the first time I went into the venue to have a look around it, it didn't have a floor. It was just a hole in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's why it's called the crater. Brilliant. First time I saw it, it was a crater. D- in the did ground. you get it? Did you get a floor in before your first gig there? We did, yeah. Though to be fair, I've seen gigs where even a floor would be considered luxury. To be honest with you, but uh, no, it had a floor. It was a, a really good gig in a good part of town in Brighton. Um, it got a little tired towards the end because they didn't spend any money on it and it was getting a little bit sticky flawed and smelt weird and stuff. But, um, you know, people like that in comedy clubs as well. So, but yeah, no, I'm not there, not there anymore. And I've got, a, you know, for years of running it, I wasn't really running the venue. I was just booking the acts. Mm. I kept thinking, oh, I would change this or I'd move this or whatever. But it wasn't mine to do it. So now I've got one called The Forge which is down to me, how it works, how it looks, branding, name, everything. So I've had to put my money where my mouth is, and it's quite a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Every Saturday in Brighton. Every Saturday it's in Brighton. It's a great gig. I was on uh, last summer. Yeah, and it's got bigger since. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a bit like saying, hey. So it's the, it's, that's it's a the, lot of gigs I do. Yeah. It's the opposite of saying you should have been here last week. It's like you should have been there next month. But yeah, no, it has genuinely got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's That was, pretty, a, that was a pretty packed that night. Oh, yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's 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 packed pretty much every single week. So. Yeah. And it's really nice that you kind of have it in the round a bit. Where... Yeah, well, there's, you, you've got 160, 170 people around you, but none of them are far away and none of them have a bad view. Right. They're all watching you up close on three sides. It's great. That's mm. what you want. Because mm. uh, when you ran Crater Comedy Club, that was voted the best comedy club in South England for years, man. Wasn't yeah, it? A decade of it, yeah. Decade. decade. decade and that it, was yeah. down to you booking great acts, you know, like myself, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but mainly down to that you were hosting most of them. Yeah. And, then, and then you were also like, I mean, we can go into the, the but you were voted the, the best host. In the UK, probably numerous times, I think. So I got as well nominated as four times and won it twice. All right, so like the the Leonardo DiCaprio of yeah, <laughs> nominated many times. Let's compare in the UK twice. Is, is yeah. this the Chortle Awards? Yeah, Chortle oh, Awards. wow. And then, but then, but then the Forge Comedy Club, my new one, got voted best comedy night in the south. So already, yeah, bang. Yeah, yeah within one year in. of running. So, so, so the, yeah. the award nice. just follows you around, like wherever you go. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I mean, I'm glad, but at the same time, it's. It's an eye-watering amount of work. I mean, so much work. Mm. So much work. You think, like, just turn up, make sure you've got lights and sound. But, oh, God, it's not. It's enormous. Yeah, I mean, even with this, because oh, yeah. there's, there's, there's two of us, and it's too much for just the just two. Yeah. So mm. just for one person. Yeah, yeah, but you run a lot of gigs. We have eight shows a week. Yeah, exactly. Seven. Seven, but sometimes, sometimes eight if someone wants to do a solo yeah, show. Yeah, and put on a, yeah well, there. we do solo shows as well. But we've already had... Um, Russell Howard and Russell Kane, yeah, and, all the um, Russells, and, and but all the Russells, <laughs> yeah, actually we had all the Russells, and uh, but like 
Uh, but other people just turning up at our normal gigs. We've had John Bishop, Ramesh Ranganathan. Nice. Lines I, think the, the, I think doing sets, I think what works with a, a host is because your brain works. I was saying this to Eddie. You can, you can sort of learn how to be a better comic, but you can't learn to get a good brain like you. <laughs> like You work hard on your set, but then watching you, it, 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 you know when you, you type something into Google and it says, mm. found all these results in 0.003 of a second. You're like that when you go, where are you from? What do you do? And then you just go, oh, yeah. Your joke results are very fast. You mm. cut your your rate. Uh, it's recall and a Rolodex, really. You know, I, I'm quite good at uh, I'm quite good at coming up with stuff off the top of my head, but I'm also quite good at remembering previous stuff I've come up with on top of my head that mm. worked, mm. and I can recall that fairly quickly. So you know, you say a country, you say an occupation, and I'll probably have a joke I can do with it. And if not, I'll come up with something there and then. And if it was funny, I'll remember it for the next time. So every time you hear me say something on stage on the basis of something so they said it out. Yeah, it might be something I knew already, but the first time I said it, I came up with it, which yeah. is why it always sounds like I've just come up with yeah. it. Yeah, also, and it's particularly fast. I mean, when I MC, so you do this thing, like I do it when uh, I'm trying to buy myself time, basically, where you're you asking someone a question and then you find that they give you the little nugget of, of uh, a fact that you can work with comedically. Mm. And then, then I try and buy myself time by like kind of, I don't yeah. know what I'll do. I'll kind of like daze into the distance and say something and then the, the thought will come in and then I'm off on a, a rant or about something. But and you, and you see a lot of MCs and they do that. They're buying themselves time by asking another question and they're just, they, you can see their brain is trying to work there. They're, but you just, it's rare I've seen anyone, it's <laughs> like one question and then it's straight There's in. There's no pauses. 20 punchlines and next. And then you, <laughs> you go to the next person and like they give you one fact. You're like, all right, here we go. 20 punchlines on that. Next. Yeah. It's like an automatic rifle. <laughs> like, yeah, not, yeah, we're like, bit, yeah, it's a bit easy. <laughs> Slow. But sometimes, you know, you do that. Oh, you buy time. Well, there's loads of techniques I use to buy time that, you know, maybe I shouldn't give away in a podcast because people go, oh, it's all smoke and mirrors. But like the main one is, and it's the important one, is that you just repeat what they say. It just buys you the time to do that. So yeah. you just say, uh, what's your name then? And they go, oh, they go, um, Sarah. You go, oh, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. And, you know, and, and go, and what do you do then, Sarah? And then she'll go, oh, I'm a, um, you know, I'm a uh, marketing assistant in publishing. And you'll go, oh, you're a, a marketing assistant in publishing. And that, just those few seconds, give me a chance to go, yeah. oh, I'm going to think of something to do with this. Yeah. But like also, that. someone said that, could have even been you, is repeating the name three times also buys your time. But then... It tells everyone, you remember their name then. You've already said it three times. Mm. And then everyone else remembers the name. So later on when you want to call back to Sarah for something, you're like, mm. just like Sarah used to do whatever. And then, ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. So it's like the audience need to hear what the other person yeah, says. They, you have yeah, to remember yeah. they, they haven't got a mic. Yeah, so that's is. just that's just literally, uh, you know, production nicety. Yeah, really. practical element. Yeah, yeah. practical element, yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but sometimes, sometimes, uh, Eddie, you'll kind of leave a gap or you'll, or you'll fill because you have thought of something funny, but you're thinking, that's so good, I want to finish on that. So I'm now going to bank that and put it in the, in, the, in, the, in the vault and bring it back out in 30 seconds. Mm. So, so you're that, thinking 30 seconds ahead of me there. So you, you, I, you can get new stuff in there or you can play with it knowing that it doesn't matter where you go. On. Yeah, I've got uh, some. Yes, exactly. So, for example, I had uh, one of the shows in, in Brighton at the Forge recently. I looked over to the right and there was a girl on her hands and knees by the chair. Like everyone else sat in the chair and she's on her hands and knees. And obviously I can't, I, you know, and it's not visible to everyone in the audience, but I mean, so I had to turn to her and go, hello, 
lady on the floor, are you all right? You're like this. And she, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's and and she said, what, and I said, what you um what are you doing? She goes, I've lost I've lost a contact lens, like this, right? And everyone sort of laughs. And I went, you've lost a contact lens, and and I said, and I said, what's your name? She goes, uh, Melinda. And I thought, I've got a great joke to do on Melinda. I've got an absolute knockout. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, yeah. Got a fucking great knockout joke to do with Melinda, who has lost a contact lens. So bank it. So I then go, all oh, right, okay. Well, can you not just? Could you, I mean, it's going to be on the floor. Are you really going to put that back in your eye? And I'm thinking, I've got the joke, I've got the joke, you know. And she's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, don't put it back in your eye. Look, just get back up and watch the rest of the show like this. And I put my hand over his eye. All right, and gets a bit of a laugh. That's fine. And I said, so what, what, what do you do then? And he's going to say, and by the way, I, um, uh, I am, I am actually quite close to you right now. I'm not, I'm not a, um, I'm not a bigger bloke a lot further away. You know, so I make jokes about the fact that. Yeah. And then I said, all right, well, it's been nice chatting to you to Melinda. M e l i n d a. Yeah, just one eye then. And uh, and I thought of it at the time, but I knew it was going to be a good joke. So I did everything else so I could finish on that, got the round of applause and then moved on. So sometimes it's not even just, sometimes you come up with it really quickly and think, don't don't blow your load. Because because you can have more fun with this. There's more questions you want to ask. Mm. Why is she on her hands and knees? What's the, you know, you know. It's stronger. It's stronger if you did a few things then. Yeah, and also well. I had to spell a name out, knowing full well it was one eye. Yeah, because otherwise everybody else wouldn't have got the joke. So it's like you know. that's that really comes down to experience, doesn't it? Though, because you know of, yeah. of just fucking emceeing a lot and then working out ways of of working the crowd and timing the fucking bits and things. That's a you, yeah. That's well, just... I think I think I think it is, and, and you know people go, oh, you know, God, all that skill and all the rest of it, but it is just, but it's just an incredible amount of experience because when I was, you know, the resident act. Comedia, it was four shows a week, including one late show. So I was doing one late show. Week. I don't think there's anyone in the UK who's done more late shows than me. I mean, there's only three clubs that have a late show, and actually Comedian now has got rid of this. So it's the Glee and the Store. And, and, and the Store got rid of the Friday late show as well. And the Glee and the Store both have guest MCs. So, like that. so I'm the resident MC at a late show. There is only one in the country, and it's me. So no one has got more experience of talking to absolute pissed up twats. Yeah. What did you I say have. that around for how 23 years did you say? 23 years. 23 times 52. A, yeah, a million tickets we sold in the, in the time wow. I was there. One million tickets. How many? That's, a, that's, that's phenomenal. 23 times 52, what's that? Uh, well, yeah, so you do more over Christmas. So it kind of works out like 23 times 52. Mm. So yeah, that's so you're talking, that's, that's a thousand. Shows. That's, um, yeah, so that's... Uh, uh, a thousand yeah, late shows. Yeah, a thousand late shows. A thousand late shows. <sighs> then was there any where they were so rowdy that you were like, okay, people, like, you know, when they're just chatting and stuff like that, what, what would you... And you just you just barrel on, but you know, it's like your head drops and you just think, I just want to go home. Yeah, this yeah. This is rubbish. And then one of the other things, that this is great, and I've told this to a few people and said, oh, man, Stephen Gunn's got the best of me. You know when, because one, one of the jobs of the host is you're going to build up the axe and then you'd be like, fantastic act, really good friend of mine. No, no, no. So you're building him up. Sometimes you haven't seen him before, right? Remember this? Someone went oh, on. Yeah. I can't remember who it was. Died so badly, they got booed off. Yeah. And you've bigged them up. You're saying, great. So you're like, now you look like a schmuck yeah. because you've brought them on. So you went on with your headphones. <laughs> yeah. So you went on with your headphones. I've only done this. I've only done this. I've only done this a couple of times in my life. Remember that? You, you once on... off the top of my head and once when it happened again. If you see me reach into my headphones backstage, 
the actors had a shocker. Yeah. An <laughs> absolute shocker. You walk back on with headphones in, you get to the microphone, you take your headphones down. So how'd that go then? <laughs> and then instantly the audience is like, ah, they're back from I being... I went, brilliant, I imagine. Every time I see them, they've been fantastic. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine that was any different, but I just had a podcast on the go. Didn't want to avoid it. Anyway, anyway, anyway... Um, who's ready for next act? Fully aware of what had happened. Yeah, yeah. But that's um, like an etcher sketch. It's like a scribbly mess, and you just shook it in one second and then back to that's so hard to do. Yeah, that's, yeah, that yeah. Love, that's a lovely image for what it is. Yeah, it's basically shake the shake the etcher sketch and all the misery goes away. So hard to reset a room after that. Resetting <laughs> a room after a fight is difficult. Resetting a room after a medical emergency is difficult. Those have happened. Yeah, what was the medical emergency? Oh, people having heart attacks during the oh. show or collapsing, seizures, well, I mean, once it happened while I was doing my bit, and there was a commotion. About hard sex. What, what was the bit? Well, someone, someone collapsed. Okay. During the show, so I was doing, and I couldn't see because it's so far back in the room, I couldn't see it. So I carried, it, and there was a lot of a commotion. I went, "What's going on over there?" A load of people talking. I went, and, and then they wouldn't stop talking. And I was like, "Okay, right." A bit of a discussion groups break. All oh, the stuff you'd say as a compare. And then the lights came on, and then the text voice came over and goes, uh, "Stephen, we've had a medical emergency at the back." I went, "Right, okay." Um, so she's like, carry on now. Should we have a little break? Uh, and then I was like, I think we'll have a little break. And I think I left the stage or something like that. But I have before been on stage and it wasn't my gig. And I thought, I've just got to keep going. And um, and I sort of said, I've, I've gone, is, is there a doctor in the house? Is there a doctor in the house? Um, is, there a, is there an NHS doctor who's prepared to do this for nothing? You know, so I was trying <laughs> to make jokes about it and stuff. But I've, I've all, you know, in any situation... Like there's been fights and stuff, and that, you know you try and cover for that. And, yeah. So audience members fighting other audience members. Correct. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, someone someone swung a chair over their head and caught someone around the back before. Oh. Um, someone was asked to be quiet once by a bouncer, and the guy in a full Tyson thing bit the edge of his bit his earlobe. No. Off, clear off. But the bouncer's earlobe. Yeah, yeah. The bouncer was screaming, holding his face, blood everywhere during the show. Did the guy get done for assault? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, oh, good. yeah, okay, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Other people dived in and. And held him down. Man. That's what I want to say. It doesn't matter what you're saying and how funny it is. The guy can only hear half of that. I think the issue is, is that it doesn't matter how funny you are, you're not as exciting as a fight in the middle mm. of the room. Yeah. You know, the one thing... You really rile people up at your gigs. I've never... I swear it's not me. But yeah. no, there's been... Well, out of a million people, there's going to be a couple of, you know, yeah. casualties here yeah. and Statistics, there, that's all. It's just statistics. I think, I think we, some, some insane gigs over the time. I think one of the ones that absolutely jumped out at me was... Um, <clears throat> I don't imagine this happened to anybody any gig ever because everyone's got a story about something that's wild that happened. But this is my impression of just wild so i'm doing a, a late show on the saturday and the late show used to get sort of good numbers about half to two-thirds full and we'd sold out we'd sold out like but we would only sold about a hundred of the 200 oh, and, and, and 80 tickets at midday and then suddenly we'd sold out by four in the afternoon and i was thinking oh no by about five in the afternoon or something like that and i was thinking well, oh, i don't know what's happening it's like is it a big group or something i don't know and he goes no 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 loads of separate individual bookings most mostly just individuals and couples i think loads of individual it's like you know like we love comedy and we love doing comedy and we don't want to put people off coming to comedy but when someone comes to comedy on their own you're always a little bit suspicious mm. anyway and a lot of them and a lot of them yeah so i'm thinking what well, is it some kind of like conference or something they've all been asked to buy the tickets on their own no idea anyway 
the doors, you know, the, the early show goes, the room's being reset, the queue's forming outside for the late show, and the queue's huge, it's going to the end of the round. God, this is going to be an absolutely cracking late show. So the doors open sort of 30 minutes before the show and everyone pours in and the queue around the bar is unbelievable, like nothing you've ever seen. Not like one person getting the drinks, everyone. The people at the bar, they're buying whole bottles, they're buying whatever, but not many people are taking their seats. So it gets to like five minutes until the show's about to start and I'm looking around, I'm thinking... There's less people in this room than when we started the show. There's like, there's about 100. We've sold nearly 280 tickets. Where's everyone? And the bar's almost empty. Like, it's been cleared out. Like, they've, they've run out of most things. They've only got stuff left on tap. Unopened bottle wines have all been sold. The bottles of beer have all been sold. Um, spirits have all been sold. You know, it's just the stuff that's on the, on the optics. And it was the, the yearly AA conference in Brighton. No, what it was was that Fatboy Slim was putting on a free gig at the beach and every off-licence in town was absolutely empty. A quarter of a million people had turned up for this free gig on the beach that had a capacity of 80,000, right? Okay, Brighton had been swamped. There had been 10-mile tailbacks into town because I know because the actor's saying, God, it's taking forever to get in. There's loads of traffic, you know. And I didn't put two and two together. There was no drink. So these people had bought a ticket so they could empty the bar and fuck off down the beach. <laughs> Wow. So everyone got into the bar, grabbed their drinks and where? So we played to a, a hundred people in a sellout room, sober. <laughs> <laughs> the, and the fights were insane. Where's the drink? Yeah, yeah, quarter of a million people on the beach. Oh, I remember uh, they banned it because someone died at the gig. And, and I was thinking... Hang on, your gig or no, Fat Boy And I always think it's so unfair because if you put a quarter of a million people together in one place... You put a quarter million people doing bingo in the O2, one will die. Mm. Right? You put because just just numerics. Mm. Like in every room of a million people, four people die. One has a heart attack, one has a stroke, mm. one slips over on pencil and puts it through the neck. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like one has a sneezing fit and has a seizure, doesn't make it. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's just gonna happen. It's like that, yeah, I always feel really bad. He goes, oh, someone died. Yeah, but it's a quarter of a million people. Yeah, it's, it's not Fat Boy Slim. Every year yeah. someone dies at Glastonbury. You know, like the guy was at a drug overdose. No, they just... No, this is a lot of people. Coughed their guts. Old age. Out, you know? Yeah, old age. Yeah. 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 So you go up and down the line a lot. You go, you're in Berlin next week, did you say? Yeah, Berlin next week. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> where, where are you gigging in Berlin? Cosmic. And, um, and then there's another one run by a guy called Otis. I'm back in Berlin again in April for a place called Quatsch. I gotta go. Oh, I gotta get over to Berlin. Berlin. I've done Berlin. that. Christian Schuttelow's gig. Yes, oh, it's great, incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, what a room! And midweek, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Berlin's got a big scene of comedy. For, it's huge. It's probably the biggest in Europe. Is, I would of, say so. All cities, yeah. Mm. Yeah, must be. Isn't that? It's crazy, isn't it? A lot of comedies, if they just want to. Well, look. Get I mean, good, if you, you want to talk about it, because I do a lot of overseas work, um, and. Uh, for years, I was doing overseas work because there's huge British expat communities, but those numbers have been dropping down. And in some places, they've been plummeting. Remember, you do the Middle East, you go and do Qatar for two days, mm. you know, for the for the laughter factory, and there'd be 400 people in the room each night, and it was just incredible. And the last time I did Qatar, it was one night, and it was 25 people. And I think, why is that? They all, where, where are they all gone? Well, well they all got they've all they've all done. They they, they were there they to set up the, the industry. The they, oil's they, done. <laughs> they, they set up the industry. They build the, the the factories and they go, and then they're now run by a mixture of local people and people from uh, the um, Southeast Asian subcontinent. Oh, and you then know, they move back to Barnsley or something. Well, I don't know what they do. They go you, on somewhere else or they retire because they make a huge amount of money. Would you not rewrite your set for Southeast Asian audience? To a little bit, but that's the whole point, you see. Now, it's... No, well, no, because expats want to hear you do stuff. Yeah. 
that they they remember back in Britain and Ireland. And, you know, so it'd be British and Irish people and there'd be some Aussies and some South Africans and Americans and Canadians, you know, but all people for whom English was the first language. Yeah. But now you go and do those gigs and some of them have kept going and they've got local people in. Hmm. And local people are interested in comedy because of social media, because of TikTok, because of YouTube. Hmm. And so they're watching a load of comedy, which is predominantly American. Yeah. So they really like that American style of comedy where the, you know, the where it's not subtle and it's hammered in and you know uh, and the anecdotes are short and pithy and the writing is sharp and the delivery is is abrupt uh you know and they set their stall out beforehand it's very different to that british thing where there's the subtlety of trying to fill in the gaps of the missing information to work out where the joke is you know and there's big grand stage punchlines and that's what they're used to because i went and did the second ever legal because they've been illegal once for ages comedy gig in saudi arabia um at the uh, in autumn last year it's just only the second ever published legal stand up comedy gig there right. and I was thinking, oh, it's going to be loads of people from the oil and gas industry, expats who live over there. It 90% Saudi, for whom English is, you know, a language they know well enough to enjoy. But they, they, but I was chatting to them after the gig, you know, and you, you're kind of expected to stick around and meet and greet and stuff. And that it's all people that have been watching comedy online and they're just so excited to see it live, you know, and they're a really good comedy crowd. And that's the future. The future is doing our comedy to different cultures. Um, who go to one place for their comedy, which is the internet? Yeah. And then, yeah. So, what 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 were they laughing at? What what are, what are Saudis like? What what stuff hit like relationship stuff, travel, food and drink? Like what what are you talking about? Anywhere you've got you've had comedy for a while, like Britain, Ireland, Australia, America, Canada. You know the comedy's evolved with it, so you know you've lost a lot of the subtlety, and people have got sensibilities about stuff. Those sensibilities don't exist on emerging comedy markets, so you can be quite mean. And they'll find it funny. Um, I mean, I made a joke that I don't think I would get away with in the UK. And bear in mind, this is a joke. It's not, an, it's not a deep help personal belief. But the fact is, you know, Saudi Arabia is slowly but surely becoming more progressive. And, and I, I mentioned that at the beginning because you want to celebrate the fact it's a young country. It's got a young uh, new ruler. And so therefore, there is a slow pace of change. It is still many, many years, if not decades behind European countries. But it's certainly not stuck in the water. It's not going anywhere. So I came on and I said, I've come to the first time in Saudi Arabia. I said a lot of me preconceived misconceptions. It's been great to get rid of that. They all applaud. And I said, I noticed that uh, the women here can now drive. They can't park, but these things take time. <laughs> right, okay, right. Got a nice big laugh, including from the women, who, by the way, were in the audience as well. There was women in the audience as well. In fact, actually, one of the princesses from the, the Crown family was, was in, the, in the front what? row, so you felt like you had to be funny. You know, and that got a laugh. But I just imagine a situation where you would tell that, you know, in the UK, maybe people would consider it to be obvious punching down joke based on women can't park a car, you know. And that, and that is, and they'd be right. But, you know, in that environment, to that audience who've never heard comedy before, it's a great joke. And at the end of the day, I don't care if it's, if it's, as long as it's a great joke. And people know they're there for comedy, watching a comedian. If you can't work out that's a joke, you're in the wrong place. Mm. Uh, uh, but the point I was making initially when we went down that route was the fact that the locals' taste for comedy is being shaped almost entirely by the algorithm. You know, what mm. YouTube and TikTok and Instagram reels throws their way. To show yeah. Yeah. Pro- 
pro-communist uh, material is uh, is booming. I've, I'm writing jokes about communism all the time for TikTok. Well, I mean, I'd, I'm curious as to whether TikTok would, would specify. The way that algorithm works, though, obviously it's an incredibly deeply held secret for the simple reason, if people understood it, then they would game the system to yeah. make sure that they got the lion's share of views, is the fact that when TikTok works out that you have taken interest in something, and by the way, that doesn't even mean clicking on it, it just means hovering on it while you're scrolling. You know, it works out how much of it you play before you move on. And so it knows, compared to other things you've put up and what you've done, that that is popular. And then it puts it into other people's feeds. And it doesn't do it for your benefit. It does it for theirs. Because for every creator on every social media platform, there's a 100 audience. You know, someone who's never going to create and upload stuff, they just want to look. So what it wants to do is, you know, because TikTok is competing with Reels, is competing with YouTube, is they want everyone to go to them. So it's really important their algorithm gives people the freshest and most interesting and fun content. And because they're trying to pitch for the age group 16 to 24, new is everything, which is why, you know, I know people, Damien, you're one of those, who, you know, start putting stuff on TikTok, some of it goes viral, bang, loads of followers, way, I'm established. And then this stuff starts disappearing for the simple reason is you're not new anymore. You know, so it will build you and it will drop you mm. because it's for the benefit of the people viewing your content, not the people creating the content. So you're a has-been before you're a has, really. It's like, Correct. It's coming out like Hollywood. We're going to have to head off in a minute because the show is about to start. But quick thing I, I read recently was that, you know, Metaverse... Um, that is the Facebook VR reality fucking mm. thing that's all building now. Uh, there was a conference where basically, I think it was a staff from Metaverse were explaining the profit model of Metaverse, you know, because they're giving out a lot of free software for people to engage with. It was like, where's the profit? It's obviously going to be in advertising and how they're going to try and uh, create new advertising because we're also accustomed now to social media things coming up, you skip, 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 is they're going to use uh, AI similar to like chatbot, but they're going to be, you know, characters in metaverse that are there to befriend you. So they develop a relationship with you. They know your likes so they can talk to you about those topics and they, you develop a friendship with this AI bot. And then that bot is going to do product placements. So like uh, they get to know you even more and more and more. And then, and then it's going to slip into the conversations, trying to hook you into metaverse with your digital friends and then it's just going to slip. It's a product placement, and that's the profit model. That's where they're going to make the money. Like Facebook runs on ads; that's their money. So now Metaverse is going to be ads through AI bots. Yeah, they'll be like, "We're your friend. Let's I, go to Burger King." I was thinking, you don't need Metaverse for that, man. Pay me; I'll advertise shit to my friends. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like if my like friends buying a car. Yeah, yeah. If my friends buying a car. I'll be like, highest bidder, come to me. I'll fucking convince them to buy whatever your brand is. But that's the Metaverse model. Apparently, that's how they're going to. Yeah, well, AI is frightening, though. I mean, AI was doing artwork, it was writing music, but now it's writing jokes. Yeah. Do you think it'll any be... Any good ones? I think it'll be... Yeah, right. like like any brand new comedy writer, one in 20 of them's good. And, the yeah. you know, two or three of them are okay, and the rest of them are absolutely eye-wateringly bad. Um, speaking of good and bad jokes, we got to get ready for the show. Uh, oh, we've got we to do. set up. Yeah. yeah. This oh. has been an absolute pleasure. Cheers. Thank you for having us. Stephen. Oh, yeah, so if you're in Brighton... Uh, go uh, to go to the Forge every Saturday. Forge Comedy Club on a Saturday night. Yeah. Forge Comedy Club, and if you're not in Brighton, go to Brighton. Yeah, to oh, no, actually, or just uh, follow us on social media at yeah. Stephen C Grant. Be uh, one of my Twitter followers. I've not gained any in five years. 
20,000. Be one of the 20, be the 20,000 first. Yeah. Follow. I know. And then what'll happen is someone else will leave. It's one in, one out. I'm like a busy nightclub. It kind of, it got, it got busy and then it stayed at one level ever since. It genuinely is. It's like a, I'm like a really busy nightclub. You're just getting the 20, you're like, instead of like Jesus having 12 followers, you're like, just 20,000 is enough for me. Yeah, it's and fine. And then you're just like reading. It, it is actually. I, I can post about anything and I will get an intelligent answer and five dickhead ones. It's great. Well, that's all you need, isn't it? Exactly. Just, it's like a stag do. You got five dickhead mates and like just one or two good ones. Yeah, exactly. The ones who will get you in the cab and the other ones who will draw a, a massive cock on your forehead. And yeah. if you're looking for a tasty beer, why oh, not yeah. try Rira beer? Speaking of uh, Eddie uh, <laughs> selling to anything, but we love beer, and Irish I, beer, and a new lager from Wicklow. Oh, it's tasty and crisp. Oh, it's tasty. And I'm not a bot. I'm not some bot friend from Metaverse. It's not a bot. We just love beer, and this is great beer, and uh, they are our new sponsor. So love yes. the new craft beer lager, and uh, they're sponsoring the show. Yeah. Jump Dude. on board. Jump on board with your re-raw beer. We yeah. love it. We love it. Thanks, Stephen. And we're going to go, and uh, Stephen is on the crack then tonight, so I can't bloody wait, so let's do it. Yeah. Follow Stephen C. Grant on the socials. Thanks, thanks Steve. Steve. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening, Stephen Grant here. Excellent. So interesting. If you'd like to see more, there's clips of that on the YouTube. They'll be on our socials. Just look up Crack Den Comedy Club on all the stuff. Insta, TikTok, LinkedIn, Grinder. I'm not sure about the last two, but they're definitely the ones. And uh, if you want to be a Patreon, join the Patreon crew. Put up the full video of the chat if you want to see what we're up to, including full crowd work specials from Eddie and myself. Sweet. See you next time. Thanks so much. Share it with your friends. Share it with your friends. Share it with your friends. We want more friends. Don't we all? We want more friends. Thanks again to Reroll Beer and Collaborative Studios for putting it all together. See you next week. Cheers, dude.